welcome everyone. Happy Sunday. How are you guys doing? I know it's a windy uh, Sunday here in Seattle, but the warmth of the Holy Spirit this morning was awesome. Amen. Uh, before I invite uh, Pastor Brett up here, I just want to congratulate once again to all of our children and youth that have given their lives to be baptized a couple weeks ago. And parents, uh, you can uh, pick up the baptism, uh, baptism certificate after the event, uh, after the service. Uh, we have Allison, we have Tiffany, we have Camuel, uh, we have Zaki, uh, we have uh, Casey and Caden. So again, Congratulations to all of those uh, wonderful young men and women. Amen. Hey, without further ado, I just want to welcome also Pastor Brad here. He has been a friend and a ministry buddy, a prayer partner for my life and for, for this church. So hey, Seattle, are you guys ready? Can you please give Pastor Brad a warm welcome? Thank you. I might have to comb my, my beard now. Uh, it's so good to be with you guys. Uh, we love this place. It's been a year since I, met, I first met Pastor Irwan. I actually uh, was on a Zoom call with you uh, back uh, last spring, right after the pandemic, and we were talking about Pray Americas last year. Yeah, but I have heard from uh, Pastor JP and Paula. They started telling us about this church in Seattle. And so we uh, have loved our time here. We were able to be here in the spring. My wife, Adrian, and my daughter, Abigail, are, are here with me. And we were able to come and spend a month uh, here earlier in the spring. And so it was so good to be here. I think for the first Sunday back the, in, in live person, right? Everybody came back. We were here Palm Sunday. And then we we're able to be a part of the uh, community day on, on Easter as well. So anyway, we are, I'm really thankful to be here with you guys. And it is a, it's a real privilege. I get the honor of serving um, as the director of U.S. missions with the Southeast Asia Prayer Center. And sometimes my title as U.S. mission director for Southeast Asia Prayer Center leaves people wondering, what do you do? Uh, but one of the things I get to do is we get to travel around the United States. We carry as a family a real desire to see the gospel spread in the United States. And we want to treat United States like a mission field and believe that um, God has got a fresh move of his spirit and of the gospel that will impact every city and every rural town uh, in, this, in this nation. And that we, together with all other nations, will come to know the desire of the nations. And so it is an honor to, to be here together with you guys uh, today. If you want to get your Bible and turn to Romans 8, we're going to get there uh, in just a moment. Um, we had a... a just an opportunity yesterday to um, connect with some of the people from the, the care group leaders and talk a little bit about um, just living on mission. And that is a, a passion um, for me. And as I began to pray about what it is that the Lord would, would have in our time, whatever Pastor Irwan asked me if I'd be willing to share uh, this morning, um, I kind of thought, oh, maybe he'll tell me what he wants me to speak about. And he didn't. So I had to ask the Holy Spirit what he wanted. He said, oh, we'll just trust the Lord and see what, what that's about. And um, so I wanted to tell you that we're going to spend most of our time in Romans 8 today. Um, but as we do, there are a couple things that may be helpful for you to know about me. Okay? Does that work out? All right. So I, I recognize that in this age where we wear masks, I need you to be very cooperative Okay, because I told the group yesterday, there's two things about me you have to know. Okay, one, I have a verbal processor. And what that means is I, I learn by talking. And so the fact that I have 30 minutes this morning is a real stretch. Sometimes I have a hard time saying my name in 30 minutes, right? So I need lots of feedback because I would rather go over one thing and make sure we all understand it so we can apply it than go through a whole list of things that nobody really gets. Does that make sense? So what I need you to do is lots of this or yeah, like it's not, I won't feel rude, like it's being rude if you say, oh yeah, I get that. If, because I don't want to keep going and I'm kind of sometimes like a pilot circling the airplane waiting to make sure that we've got that part before I, I, I bring, come down for landing, right? And I know that some of you want to eat lunch today. I have reserve and so I'm okay without lunch. Uh, so I want to make sure we do that. So you, first of all, I'm a verbal processor. Second of all, um, and I, this is a little bit different than yesterday. I had a life-changing experience about 15 years ago 
whenever I realized uh, in, in my attempt to follow Jesus, I realized there was a whole lot of the way that I was following Jesus that was not really connected anything to the person of Jesus. I don't know if anybody else has ever had this experience. It's easier sometimes to think like a Christian than it is to walk like Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah? Good job, Pastor everyone. Yeah, it's so good. He knows. He, he knows what this could be. And so one of the things, as I thought as a young minister, as a young pastor, I'd been, I actually started pretty young. Uh, I, I went on staff at a church when I was 20, when I was still in school. Uh, and I thought what I needed to do, because I wanted to be a missionary, I wanted to impact the world for Jesus. I thought I had to build something significant so I could make an impact. But then I realized as I read the stories about Jesus' life that he often did the opposite of that. He spent 30 years of his life, he spent all those years in the carpenter shop, wasting his potential. <laughs> Can you imagine what it would be like to be Mary and know that you've given birth to the Son of God? And he's out in the shed making furniture. Is that why the angels came? Oh. And I realized I had such a weight on my shoulders of what I thought I was supposed to be. That it made it hard for me to focus on the, the life. Like the words, the actions, and the attitudes of Jesus. Does that make sense? And that began to repoint my life. Um, to think, man, I don't want to come up with a better plan for ministry than what Jesus had. How can I actually follow him? And so that just brings my focus. I don't know if, like sometimes when I say that, people are like, well, duh, what do you think following Jesus means, right? Well, I just think sometimes we can think more Christian than we do like Christ. And so um, I brought some, we shared some of this with yesterday, but I brought a book called Culture of the Few, and it was specifically written for two groups of people. One, it was written to younger people that like where I was at who wanted to change the world for Jesus, and this book is really a, a, just an invitation that says there's no better place. If you want to know how you can impact the world for God, there's no better place than the actual life of Jesus to look. And the other group of people that has been impacted is people who disciple those young world changers, right? Because I think it's the desire for us to change the world is very natural if we have Jesus and we walk with the spirit of God. Right? That's, that's a good thing. So it's not that we shouldn't have that desire. We just want to focus on the life of Jesus. So we have a few of these back in the back. Adrian will be back there. I hope to be back there um, at the table if you're interested. Um, my, little, my little credit card swiper thing isn't working. So here's, the, here's my big pitch, right? If you want this book and you don't have a way to get it, we'll give it to you as long as we have them. Okay? Because if you have it, I would rather it be with you, if you'll read it, than sit in a box. Okay? So if you have cash and you want to pay for the book, it's $10. There's also something Adrian will have back there that has some resources about community and discipleship that has the book with it. So I'm not, I'm not good at commercials, but that'll be back there afterwards, okay? And um, if there's any questions, we'll talk about it. All right, are you guys ready to read the Word of God? Okay, this series of freedom, I didn't know there was a series on freedom whenever I still felt like the Lord was leading me to Romans 8. But as I prayed about it, I felt like I was hearing this word. And so today we're going to talk about being spirit riders, being spirit riders and what it means to become confident as carriers of God's hope, his love and his freedom. So can we pray? I'm going to pray for you and can you pray for me? All right. Would that sound good? Yeah. You pray for me that I will only say what God wants me to say and I will say it in a short amount of time. How many of you can get down with that prayer? Yeah? And I'm going to pray for, for us, right? I'm going to pray for us that we'll hear what God's saying. Because we need one word from God more than we need words from me, right? Jesus, we humble ourselves before you. Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. God, I really mean what we just said. Lord, I don't want to just come up here and tell stories and uh, miss what you're saying. This has been a year of adversity. This has been a season of testing and not just in the big macro culture ways, but just individuals are walking through hard things. And we need to hear from you, God. Would your word come and remind us of who you are, remind us of who we are in you and make us bold and make us confident to carry freedom to those around us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to dive right into the beginning of Romans 8, and we're going to read a good portion of it at the beginning, and then we'll, we'll break it down from there. Does that sound good? 
Yeah. Everybody say yes. I just wanted to make sure you guys are awake. All right, here we go. Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did. Say, God did. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity with God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if the Spirit, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brothers, we, do not, we are not debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit of himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. Let's read a little farther. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of a corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he has seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called, and whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. All right, that is 30 verses of scripture there for you. That's a lot. We could spend weeks and months just going through the beautiful gospel of Jesus in this. But what we want to do today is we want to recognize some high-level themes as we go through, and then we want to talk about the day that we're living in today, the day that you and I are sharing now, okay? So the first thing I just want to pull out is, like, I, as I pray, I, I know that when we reopen the Word of God, God's Word is true. 
right? So what we, when we ask God to teach us from his word, we can trust that uh, he will. And so in saying that, I believe if your heart is open, seeking the Lord, as we look at this today, it's for you. Say, it's for me. And then also specifically, I felt this morning as I was praying that the Lord might have a few of you that this is really just a sovereign moment for. And here's what I felt like the Lord was saying. You know, we use the word unprecedented, an unprecedented amount of times in, in 2020, right? We talked about the pandemic and how everything was so different. How many of you are tired of all of that stuff? Anybody? There's a weariness that comes from it. But it's not like all the rest of life stopped. And I felt like this morning that the Lord wanted us to focus this, this, this word, this, this teaching about being spirit writers, not just in a generic sense, not just in a place of, oh, let's go reach the whole world for Jesus. I mean, I want us to do that. But there are, there are times we go through what Paul says here in, in chapter 8. Look back at verse number 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time. How many of you could say, I could relate with suffering at the present time? Can you raise your hand so I can see? Anybody gone through some adversity? Yeah? A few of you? And in the midst of that, we can feel weary. We can feel worn out. One of the things that, uh, that sociologists tell us that's happening in this time is that we feel in the midst of, we feel like almost like a yo-yo in the sense of like we get uh, places where we know that we need to be safe. And so we're happy to stay away and observe social distancing, but we also feel like this place of, oh, we feel alone and we feel isolated. And so we want to be back to normal. And so in the midst of play, people who are going through adversity, some people feel, um, they feel tired. Other people feel isolated. And there are people who are struggling in the midst of that. And then they just feel, um, they, it's easy to feel disqualified. Like things in my life aren't the way that I want them to be. And I don't even know what it means to, for me to make the, to impact the world for Jesus right now. And, and in the midst of that, there's this beautiful passage that tells us that whenever the Apostle Paul is able to look at all of God's goodness, and Romans is a hard letter to take in all at once. It's long, right? You can read some of the shorter books and say, oh, this makes sense. Romans has got a lot of stuff in it. Romans 6 and 7 builds to this verse in verse 8 that says, there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad there's no condemnation for us? As we were worshiping this morning, like the idea of just calling out and crying out for Jesus. It's like there are times in my own life where I think, man, maybe there's an easier way. But I'm going to tell you something. There may be an easier way, but there is no other way that brings me life. Do you remember the story whenever Jesus was preaching the hard word and he said, oh, if you're going to follow me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And scripture says that many who listened left and he turned to the 12. He said, are you going to leave me as well? And Peter said, where else can we go? I'm just being honest that in some of the personal pain that we've walked through in the last year, I've thought, oh, if there was another option, maybe I would look at it. But I know that Jesus is the only option that gives life. He is the only one who gives life. I'm not going to find some philosophy that can do that for me. I'm not going to find a goodness that's in myself that will do that for me. But somehow in the craziness of the scripture that we said, it acknowledged that there's rough things happening. It's, in fact, it said this world itself is like it's going through labor and it's suffering and these labor pains. Can you feel that in the world and the culture around you? But here's what it says in the midst of that, that all of creation is eagerly waiting for a glory cloud to come out of the sky and for God to speak. It doesn't say that. I was just teasing you. Here's what it says. All of creation is waiting for the revealing of the children of God. Do you know what this world is waiting for? You. The world is waiting 
for us, the sons and daughters of God, to know who we are in him and be able to be ourselves. So what does it mean to be a spirit rider? If you want to go to the next slide. Back in 1960, there was a ruling in the United States Supreme Court, <coughs> excuse me, around one of the most ugly periods of time in, in uh, United States history, uh, about the Jim Crow laws that forced segregation. And the Supreme Court was trying to figure out what they could rule on. And one thing they decided that they could rule on is, we are going to make it illegal to force segregation on interstate travel. So any travel that crosses a state line, you're not allowed to segregate any longer. So that law was not being carried out in, in places in the South. And so some different organizers gathered in Washington, D.C. and did training for people to how to, they were gonna, how to ride the bus peacefully. That was their goal. And these freedom riders got on a bus and they began to travel from Washington, D.C. and they went through parts of Virginia, North and South Carolina into the deep south. And for the first, I don't know, for the first several days, it was pretty peaceful. In fact, people came out to support them and support this idea of the freedom riders. Go on to the next slide. But the further they got, they came into places that said, oh, no, 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 our local laws say that this is illegal and we're not going to listen to what the Supreme Court said. And as you see, there are pictures of these people who were booked and arrested and a strategy was conceived to try to bankrupt, to try to bankrupt the organizers by charging all these people fines to get out of jail and then making them come back for court cases later in time. It got worse than that. Uh, if you can go to the next slide. Some of them were beaten. This is a picture of a 21-year-old man who was studying for the ministry and felt like the Lord was wanting him to go to be a part of this. And he was pulled off a bus in Alabama and beaten severely. And in May, around May 14th, the bus was headed to, there was a little town called Anniston, Alabama. And a group of people, you can go to the next slide, a group of people gathered around this bus, of the, of the clan gathered around this bus and they firebombed the bus while people were still on it and they barely escaped with their lives. And so these freedom riders were going through adversity. Say adversity. And in the midst of it, for many of them, and as a matter of fact, for uh, all the people who had been arrested and, and who were a part of this process, there was such a small handful of people who decided to step away from it. They thought, this is actually worth it. This is actually worth it. And they knew that not everybody in Alabama was against them. And so they decided that this cause was something big enough, something strong enough for them to, to, to give their lives to. Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but we still struggle with racial equality in the United States at this point in time. Because the laws that are written in books don't have the ability to change our hearts. How many of you know that? But there's another law. There's the law of freedom. And there's the law of God's spirit. There's the law of God's love. You can go to the next slide. And so there was this little girl named Janie. She was 12 years old. And her father was actually one of the men who had gathered the welcoming party for the Freedom Riders. And very close to her house, Outside of her father's grocery store is where that horrible scene happened. And people were pulled off of the bus and they were beaten. And Janie, as a 12-year-old, said, I, all I could think as I watched was the scripture that said, when you give a cup of cold water in my name, to the least of these, you've done it to me. So Janie, whose father was one of the perpetrators in the midst of all the conflict in her, walked in a different spirit than the thing that was happening around her. I think the freedom riders were courageous in trying to get the laws changed, but she carried a different law in her heart. It was the law of God's spirit and the law of freedom that comes from God's love. Does that make sense?
And so she went inside and she got a, put, a pitcher of water and she got some cups and she went out and in the midst of everybody else beating people, she went and she started finding people who needed help and she started giving them water. And now her story has been documented. And whenever I saw this story, I thought so much. There's so much that's happening in the world around us that is out of our control. I love one of the things I've, I'm, I'm so thankful in working with Southeast Asia Prayer Center is uh, some of you are familiar with, I think Pastor Juan did some stuff around the attack lambs here from Pastor Mark Geppert. One of the things he says in that book about prayer walking is we can't control the outcome, but we can establish the atmosphere. And I believe that no matter who you are, if you know Jesus Christ and you carry his spirit with you, listen, I don't know what's going to happen in the, in the circumstances around us. But I'm telling you, you carry the presence of God with you. You carry the presence of the living God with you wherever you go. And you can ride the spirit of God. Whenever the neighbor texted this morning to tell us, hey, there's a windstorm coming. You better get out. Or the house we're saying, you better get out and secure all the outside furniture. I started thinking about the title of the spirit riders. You know, the, the word spirit is the word breath. And sometimes whenever the, the breath of God comes, it doesn't look like what we thought it would look like. But do you believe that what you carry in the person of Jesus Christ is enough to make a difference in the midst of any circumstance? Can you imagine being a 12-year-old little girl and witnessing the horror of the scene of that bus being burnt and people being beaten, but having enough courage to say, yeah, but I could give a cup of water. Do you know that what you carry matters? I'm going to tell you, the world is waiting on you. And I want to give over three things today. Three things today. Three reasons why I believe that you can be confident carriers of freedom. Confident carriers of freedom. Are you ready for those three things? Look back up at the, at the first uh, part of Romans 8. Look at verse number 3. For what the law could not do... In that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. The first reason I want you to know that you can be confident to be carriers of freedom is because God did what you don't have to do and what we're not able to do. God has already done what we cannot do. Does that make sense? Yeah? How many of you have ever struggled with thinking like, oh, I'm not good enough? <laughs> How many of you ever had something in your heart you want to do for God and said, oh, I'm just not there. I'm not good enough. Well, guess what? God did what we can't do. And when we put our confidence and our hope in what God did, and we realize it really happened. <clears throat> he really gave his son for us so that we could know real freedom. What does that look like for us? My dad... My dad did not grow up in a Christian home. My dad grew up in a home of uh, alcoholic, abusive father. And my dad has many, many stories I won't get into now of what that looked like for him. But someone said, oh, we're going to share Jesus with that little neighborhood over there. It wasn't a very nice neighborhood. And so from people from a new church just started going around and meeting their neighbors and talking to them about Jesus and inviting them to come to their church. And so my dad and a couple of his sisters started going to the church. And you know what? They heard the gospel. And their lives were changed. And my dad and his four sisters gave their life to Jesus. And then my grandma gave her life to Jesus. And then the alcoholic, abusive husband and father gave his life to Jesus. It's called household salvation. God did what they couldn't do. We couldn't earn it. Even when we're being really good. How many of you try to be really good sometimes and you find out you're not good enough? It's okay. You can be a spirit rider. You can be a freedom carrier because God did what you cannot do. Can we look at that slide that has the carrier definition on it? Let's look at this real quick. This says carriers, one that carries. Who knew? But it also says a bearer or a messenger. 
do you know that we become carriers of the message that we need? We need a message that changes us, right? We need to know God's hope. We need to go know his love. And that thing that we need becomes the thing that we carry. I also love down here, it says, and the third definition says, a container for carrying. And so not only do I carry a message, but I become a vessel. I become a container of God's spirit and of his kindness and his goodness. And so the first reason I want to encourage you that you can be a carrier of freedom and hope and love is because it doesn't rest on your ability to do it. God already did what needs done. Abigail, can you hand me that water? The second thing, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The second reason why I'm confident that if you know Jesus that you can be a great spirit writer, that you can carry his freedom and his hope is because we are weak enough. We are weak enough. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at what this, this passage says. Verse 9, it said, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect when you get all of your act together. Is that what it says? No. Are you glad that's not what it says? He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. His grace is sufficient. As I was praying this morning, I'm so thankful that we are being perfected in love. How many of you believe that? That we are being made more like him as we walk in love with him and walk in love with each other, right? But you don't have to wait till you're perfect to carry his freedom to other people. He is, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. I was thinking this morning about all of the children's stories where they're accidental heroes, Two that I can think of is in the story of the Wizard of Oz. Someone like Dorothy is in a house that's in a storm. And all that happens is she's in a house in a storm. And she had no control over where the house landed. But the house landed and killed the witch. And everybody thought she was so great because she killed the witch. And she said, I was just afraid in my bedroom. Have you ever had that moment where God shows up and you think, I didn't do anything? Another moment I think of is whenever uh, in the story, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, there's a place where there's a wolf who's going to come and attack one of the guys. He's going to attack Peter, and Peter's got his sword out, and the wolf jumps, and he just kind of falls on the sword and dies. And then Aslan says, rise, Sir Peter's wolfsbane. Like, no, you didn't do anything great. I just held it. That's it. Listen, God is so good. He doesn't need me to be at my best before his best shows up. And I want to say to you, I believe there are people here, you've gone through it. You've walked through it. You are weary. You are tired. You feel isolated sometimes. You don't know if you have it. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God in you, Christ in you, is the hope of glory. You don't have to wait until you get to your future self to make an impact for Jesus today. Because what he loves to do is he loves to show off his strength in the midst of our weakness. Does this connect with you at all? All right, one more. Turn over to John chapter 14. This is one of the passages I love so much. I've been in this last, I call it the last night chronicles of John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. So much beautiful things that Jesus gives to his friends on the night before he dies. But one of the things that he does here that I think is so beautiful We look down and he says some ridiculous things. Look at verse 12. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I will do, he will do also greater works than these. I got to be honest. There are sometimes I don't believe that. I've seen God do some pretty good things, but there are times I think, oh, I'm going to do greater things than him. And so I cry out, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. I want to see you do everything that you want to do in my life. Look down just a little bit further. Look, verse 15, he said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper 
that he may abide with you forever. The third reason that I'm confident that we can be carriers of God's glory and carriers of his freedom is that Jesus gave us a helper with a capital H. And all the things that Jesus could have said, he could have said, I'm going, he actually, let me back up for just a second. Jesus actually said this. This is the part I struggle with. He said, it's better for you for me to leave. That's the part that I struggle with, right? Have you ever thought, oh, I wish Jesus were right here. I could just ask him. Somebody, yeah, a couple of you, yeah. But he said, no, it's better that I go. I still have to pray that God help me to believe that with all my heart. But if God sent you a helper, why do you think he sent you a helper? Do you, I don't know if you're like me. I feel like I try to get to be a good enough Christian where I don't need his help so much. Has anybody else ever experienced that? Yeah, I can't see your faces. So you have to do this or blah, 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 blah. I think being mature Christian means I shouldn't have to rely on the helper so much. But if that were true, then he would have given me something else. He gave you a helper and it's okay for you to need his help. As a matter of fact, do you know one of the greatest prayers you can pray? Help! How many of you have ever prayed that prayer? Yeah? Has anybody ever prayed that prayer and felt kind of bad for having to pray it? You don't have to feel bad. Let's practice. Ready? One, two, three. Help! I think that was about 40%. We're going to try one more time. Ready? One, two, three. Help! It's okay to need the helper. And if we will humble ourselves and not need to do it on our own, we can carry the freedom that we have received. Back in Romans 8, I think it's verse 26, it even says that when we don't know how to pray, maybe you can't think of the word help. The helper does. It says the Holy Spirit helps you. And I love the way the Passion Translation says it. The, whole, the Holy Spirit helps with super intercession. Can you say super intercession? So the key to these things is me not having to be the hero, but letting God's power work through me. We were here in, in the spring when the uh, incident happened in the parking lot, the race, racial slur happened in the parking lot. Pastor Irwan, were you trying to be a hero that day? But we have been amazed to see how God has used what's happening to open doors. For the opportunity to share the gospel in this neighborhood. We had been talking four days before as we sat around a table about praying for God to help uh, us have wisdom and see how this community could be reached for Jesus. How we could live like missionaries here and all of a sudden now people are coming and bringing flowers and cards. And the hundreds of families that we didn't know before that now we know because God showed up in the midst of something we would have never planned. Does that make sense? The world is waiting on us to see that we belong to him. We really belong. We're sons and daughters of God. Can you put up the slide of the, the father and son? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to finish in just a second by reading the very last part of, of Romans 8. But has anybody ever seen this story about this, this family? How many of you know this? Raise your hand really, really big. Some of you know it. I won't go into all the details, but this is a great story. There's a video that has a song, My Redeemer Lives. If you haven't seen it, it's about three minutes of your life that I, I think I would encourage you to do. But this is, the young man is Rick Hoyt, and his father's name was Dick. Dick recently passed away. But, but Dick uh, was a runner, and he actually competed in Ironman competitions. Right? So it was running and swimming and, and cycling. And his son had cerebral palsy. And his son said, Dad, I want to do it too. Can we enter the race? And so there are pictures. You can just go to the next slide. There are pictures of this dad putting his son into a raft. And swimming miles. And there are pictures of his dad putting his son into like a big uh, stroller 
and running. There's pictures of his dad on a bike crossing a finish line. Can I tell you, I'm going to read these scriptures to you. Just read this verse to you from Romans 8. The reason I'm so confident that we can carry confidently that we can be carriers of freedom is because God's love for us. Let me read to you Romans 8, 31 and read a few verses. What shall we say to these things? If God's for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? For it's written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The humbling thing is to accept the fact that he's made us victorious if we're willing to get in the raft and let him be the one who pulls us to get into the seat. Actually, he can't even get in the seat. He has to be placed in the seat. There's a place where Jesus said, I believe it's Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. He's speaking to those who are following him, and he says, freely you've received, freely give. Why can we be carriers of his freedom? I love the story that the joy shared last week about Mephibosheth. Am I willing to see myself in my weakness and trust God's strength to work through me instead of me being able to work together myself? Does that make sense to you guys? Is that a struggle for anybody else other than me? It requires us being willing to lay down our lives. I want to just finish by telling you one very personal story that I didn't want to share. But this morning, it's just been pressed on my heart. I remember last summer, we got a phone call from one of the girls that we have um, been walking with for about the 10 years. She said, hey, have you heard from, and she listed the girl's name. I said, no. I said, oh, they can't get a hold of her. And there had been some things going on in her life. And so I, I invited our friend to come over and sit on the front porch with Adrian and I. And we sat there and for hours as people tried to get a hold of our friend amazing worship leader that we love very much and had a powerful call of God in our life. And we waited and we prayed. We cried out. But the news that came back is our friend was gone. They got to her apartment and they went in. And her body had no life in it. And I began to cry out to God. And the scripture came to me, what can separate you from the love of God? Not life or death. Not angels or demons. Not the pain that you've been walking through today or yesterday or tomorrow. Nothing can separate. And I'm a big guy and I have the privilege of being a spiritual dad for a lot of people. But in that moment, I was just a little boy crying out, Daddy, help me. So the last slide I want to show you is a slide that I think best represents our, our hope to be 
spirit riders and to be carriers of his freedom. And that's if we're willing to assume the position of everything that we hope to accomplish just being in him. I like the view when I'm on his shoulders. Can you stand with me? I don't know exactly. We didn't talk about like what prayer time or anything would look like. I'm going to turn it over back to Pastor Irwan in just a moment. But I, I just want to say to you, like, as someone who I told you earlier, like, I, I used to want to make a big impact for Jesus and change the world for Jesus and reach the United States for Jesus. And all of those things are still in my heart. But I know this, I am not capable of doing those things. But if I walk with the one who is, then he lets me ride along in the boat while he swims. He lets me sit in the chair while he runs. And he says that you are more than a conqueror in me. I want to pray for you and then I'll have pastor come. I want to see every follower of Jesus be confident to go share the gospel. But I don't believe that will happen because we do more trainings. But because we've gotten more technology or better programs or better marketing, I believe what we need to do is be confident of who God is and who I am in him. So can we just bow our heads? And if you want to, just put your hands on your own heart. We're just going to pray right now. Would you just invite God to come and help you know just... There used to be a coffee commercial when I was a kid, tasted again for the first time. We are so humbled to be here with you. You are some of our heroes. You are our friends. We're with you. But would you just taste the Father's love again for the first time? Would you hear him say, you don't have to do it. I've already done it. You don't have to wait stronger. My strength can show up in your weakness. And I would love to pour out my helper. So we just cry out for help today, Father. Help us so that freely as we've received, when we received your gospel in our weakness, may we not think that we have to come to another place before we can share it. I ask Holy Spirit specifically for those who've been walking through pain and adversity and they're tired and discouraged, I pray that they would hear the words of Paul today. Breathe by your spirit. Don't give up. Don't give up. The world is waiting on the glorious freedom of the children of God. Will you climb up on his shoulders and allow him to be the one that carries you? Father, breathe your life breath in your people today. Set us apart for you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, you do in us what we cannot do in ourselves. We love you and we bless you. Pastor. Hallelujah. Wasn't that good? Amen. I shared yesterday with Pastor Brad, you know, 2020 and 2021, has been a very confusing year for me. There's so many mixed messages around us. Even people close to me give me mixed messages. Sometimes I'm confused by myself. But in our confusion, in my confusion, God made it clear for me. I just remember in September, somebody just texted me out of my Facebook. I don't even know that person. He said, Pastor Irwan, have you seen this message? And there is a photo of the message of an invitation of the North Seattle churches coming together to pray. I honestly don't know. I have no clue there is such a thing. So I told the person, I do not know. He said, would you like to come with me? I said, sure, I'll come with you. I don't know that person. So I went uh, and thank you, Ken, for accompanying me so that I don't have to walk into that place alone. I went there, the people welcomed me. He said, who invited you? I said, this person invited me. He said, who? No one in the room know that person. 
And then I introduced myself. I said, my name is Irwan. I'm from the IFJF Seattle Church in Northgate. And he said, Pastor Irwan, we have been praying for you and your church for several years. He said, I'm glad you are here because we don't know how to get the whole of you. So who invited you? I said, I have no clue who invited me. It's through a Facebook. Somebody just texted me. He said, we've been praying for a church in Northgate to respond to us because we want to put a stake in this area because this area belongs to God and we're going to put a stake and claim it for the glory of God. And thank you for coming. I'm shocked. In the midst of confusion, God opened doors. What about your life? Like what Pastor Brad said, we don't have to know all the answers. I don't know the answers to many things. All I know is that I'm sitting at the shoulder of my Heavenly Father. So November 11, guys, November 11, those churches are coming here. They are coming here to pray and declare this land belongs to the Lord. I want to invite you to come November 11, 7 p.m. as those six, seven churches are coming here to claim that this belongs to the Lord. I want you to experience the move of the Holy Spirit that night as our brothers and sisters from North Seattle churches are coming to claim this area, the Pinehurst neighborhood that we have been praying, right? We have been going for prayer walks several times already this year. This Pinehurst community belongs to the Lord. November 11, 11, 11, 21. Come. Because this is the testimony that when I'm confused, God is clear. When I don't have the answer, God provided the answer. I want you to be encouraged today because you are not walking alone. Let's bow our heads. Let's lift our hands up. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus, that in our weaknesses, you are made strong. That your glory comes in our humility, in our surrender to you, Jesus. Because you are our Heavenly Father. You love us so much than we could ever think of ourselves. Today, Father God, I declare that the love of God that transcends any of our understanding shall guard our hearts. That neither death nor life, no principalities, no, no darkness, no past or present or future can separate us from the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, as we depart from this place, may you bring the love of Jesus, the glory from the Heavenly Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit until the day Jesus comes back. Thank you so much, Lord, for loving us, accepting us, and in Jesus' mighty name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday, everyone. Thank you.